0: All right, welcome to the Rekenning Ministries podcast series. This is episode 3.16, and so today we are looking at righteousness and justice. My name is Shannon Kirkpatrick, and I am the director of Rekindling Ministries.
1: And my name is Zach Rios, and I help out with the podcast. I'm a student at Liberty University. And then we have a, a repeat guest. We have Ian Gray. He's been here one episode or just two.
2: You want to record one. You did the, the maturity one with us.
0: Uh, so yeah, so Ian is also here.
2: Yeah, great, uh, great to be here, and I'm really looking forward to this one because this one blew my mind. Righteousness and justice. I think, I think at one point you and I, Shannon, actually jumped up off the couch mm. when we heard a couple things. So, really looking forward to sharing on this one.
0: Yeah, and we're in a little different environment from the the studio to to here. So, because we also have Ghost with us. Hopefully, Ghost will remain quiet <laughs> as, as we record this. So, um, all right, cool. So, so one of the things you know. We assume that when listeners are listening to the episodes <laughs> this is a bad assumption. I'm assuming people are listening to all of them in order. Mm-hmm. We know that's not true. People are just going, Oh, I wanna I wanna learn about righteousness or justice. So I always wanna keep that in mind that you this may be the first one that you're ever listening to, or this is the first one kind of in season three, et cetera. So we wanna give you some some context. So here in season three, we've been doing all these unpacking topics mm-hmm. and we've been very intentional and specific about the order that we've gone through because we're actually trying to tell a story. And so I think we're... Well, we're 16 episodes in. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, more than that because evil was seven parts or whatever it was. Um, And then we've got another, I think, uh, one, two, three, four another four after this then we're gonna have this special episode where we're actually gonna to try to tie uh, everything together mm-hmm. uh, but anyway so we're, so we're trying to tell the story and, and what is the story we're trying to understand better about like who God is and kind of what his character and what he's like and then what is life about and, and and some of these big issues so we really got into good and evil what is good what is evil why does a good God allow evil and we spent a whole bunch of stuff mm-hmm. on that with evil and suffering yeah uh, and then and so now we've in, in the This story we've kind of segued to given the fact that good and evil exist in this life. It's fact. Um, we need to be th- working through how to handle it. So we did the grieving study. We did the prayer study. We just did the patient study this past episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this one is is another kind of core concept to what is what is righteous and, and, and what is just. Uh, and then we're going to get into uh, judgment and punishment. We're going to get into grace and mercy uh, and discipline. Uh, and then we're going to get into you know, kind of that, that big episode. So, so that just lets you kind of understand that there's a method to our madness, uh, in, in all of this. Uh, and so with that, um, go ahead, uh, Zach, and give us a quick recap of the last episode, which was patience and perseverance.
1: Okay. Yeah. The idea of patience and perseverance really has been playing into the past couple episodes, a couple episodes talking about grieving and suffering and evil and sin and, uh, really a lot of that played together. But what we talked about a lot was with patience and perseverance, what we need to do is we need to actually be letting bad things happen to us. And the main purpose for that is so we can actually get stronger through that. So that related back to the flight, fight, persevere lens from season one. uh, Just talking about when is it time to actually fight? When is it time to just avoid the situation? Or when is it time to persevere? And that is kind of a Really quick <laughs> snapshot of what we were talking about last week.
0: Yeah, and we talked about how. Remember at the beginning we said you're you're probably not going to like mm-hmm. this one because the more assertive type they like to fight, and the more passive type would rather flee. Um, but a lot of time, and, that, and there is times for both those. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's times that you're just supposed to endure, let the bad happen, and get stronger through it. Um, but we actually talked through if you actually think through the logic behind that, it actually makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, all right. So so now the reason why. I, I paired up, I, I did back to back with patience and justice. I'm actually going to jump ahead a second, but then we'll reiterate this. There has always been this this tension in the church where you hear, hear people say statements like, you know, listen, God is both just and merciful. And when what they mean is those are opposites, hmm. but somehow they're both true, and it's one of those mysteries of God. And one of the things that we're going to show through this study is there's actually no real conflict between uh, justice and mercy. Um, The actual tension is between justice and patience and and we'll we'll, as we we're gonna kind of go through a whole bunch of stuff to kind of get there but I want to go ahead and say that now and so that's why I went ahead and paired up patience and justice together so patience is that refraining from enforcing what may be do or right in the moment justice is a enforcing what is right Mm -hmm. Uh, and so we'll get all that stuff later but that's that's why I paired these together Um, all right so with that let's go ahead and uh, and move into the study so the first thing that uh, when did we do this study Do you remember
2: I think we did this study at least a year and a half ago, two years ago. Okay. Because it was back in the old building and everything else.
0: Yep. Okay, so it was a while ago. Yeah. So one of the things that when I, you know, so I do all the research ahead of time, um, kind of prepare the documents for the study itself. And so as I was preparing all the documents, um, I learned, I didn't know this, that righteousness and justice are actually basically synonyms. The fancy term is cognates. Um, But they're basically synonyms and used interchangeably in the Bible. Never had it crossed my mind that righteousness and justice are actually the same thing. Once we actually started unpacking it, I'm like, oh... Yeah, it is the right, the same thing. But this is part of that. We're going to challenge and push back a little bit on some of the English, American English definitions that we have with these concepts and what the Bible is trying to say them as. Um, so, that was, so that's why we've grouped these together. Also, so you know, when I first put this study together, the study was going to be on righteousness, justice, judgment, uh, like forgiveness, mercy, redemption, salvation. Uh, I was going to tie all those together. And, I'm, and now I look back, I'm like, why, why did I think that was a thing?
2: Yeah, I remember when we first looked at it and we said, oh, yeah, we could get that done in four weeks. And <laughs> then we said, well, maybe six. And then we said, mm, no, not at all. Yeah, and so, yeah
0: through that, maybe eight. Like, you know what? Let's just do four and let's just do righteous justice. So the judgment course one is the next one we're going to do the judgment punishment. Uh, but so it's kind of it was kind of fun watching that. Um, so with that we we so we're gonna we're gonna stick <laughs> with just the uh, the righteousness and justice. So the words that, that I looked up I looked up righteous and righteousness which total are mentioned four hundred and fifty five times in the Old Testament one hundred sixty one in the New, and then related words with that again that we use the NASB the New American. I looked up uh, upright. I looked up fair. I looked up honest uh looked up equity uh accuracy uh, and then and then of course just the word right by itself which is like a total of like 402 times it looks like uh i looked up straight because uh, there, there's a correlation between like right and straight uh and then i looked up correct which kind of goes with rebuke and discipline which is actually gonna end up being its own study uh, that we're gonna do in a couple episodes um, and then I looked up all the just justice justified justification those were was it the five hundred and sixty four times total um, so all that said and done these idea of right and just has 1173 mentions so 1200 is usually kind of the ballpark for me I've noticed that a lot of them are, are between that like maybe uh, eight hundred and, and fourteen hundred mentions uh, and then some go way, way above that, some less. But so, that, that's, so it's pretty standard to kind of what, what we've been seeing. So th- those are the words that we looked up. So now we're going to go through and show you the Hebrew, Aramaic, and, and Greek words, the, the, the primary ones at least, um, that come from the study. So as always, we give the caveat. Uh, we are not experts in the Greek and the Hebrew, and so we're going to butcher these, these pronunciations. Um, but one of the words, and, and you're going to see these are all actually related. They're all kind of in the same family, or most of them are. Um, so one of them is sodic, which was 205 times. And it means just, righteous, correct, lawful. It can also mean
2: innocent or in the
0: right or upright.
2: And the next would be tzedakah,
1: uh righteousness, justice, truthfulness. We also saw the word tzaddik which is righteousness, righteousness. Rightness. Right. Rightness, <laughs> righteousness, there we go, and justice.
0: Uh, and then see that what is right or just or normal. Also fair weights. So, so behind the Proverbs, it mentions like fair weights. Um, and then we have sadic, uh, which means to be just or righteous, to have a just cause, to be in the right, to be justified, or to be put or made right.
2: And then we have yashar, straight, right, correct, level, and proper.
1: In the Greek? From the Greek we have dekesun, which is righteousness, justice, uh, the state of him who is as he ought to be, the condition acceptable to God, integrity, virtue, purity of life, rightness, correctness of thinking and feeling, and also acting. And then also related to that is the dekaios,
0: uh, which is correct, righteous, or just, observing divine laws
2: conform to the will of God. And finally, we have mishvat, which is judgment, justice, ordinance, case or cause, process or procedure, sentence or decision, Right or rectitude, proper or fitting, which kind of falls more into that judgment area, but it did have the justice yeah. aspect to it.
0: Yeah, so the main the main rendering of that word is actually the judgment, which we're going to get into next week, but there were a couple times that it was used to mean something that was right.
1: And then from the Greek, we also have uh, dikaio, which is to show to be righteous, declare righteous, to render, show, exhibit, invents, or pronounce one to be righteous or just. Uh, such as he is and wishes himself to be considered or such as he ought to be
0: So those are the primary uh, Greek and Hebrew words So then as always we, we go to Merriam-Webster and Farlex dictionaries and we look up the key Terms from those definitions to make sure we understand what we, each of those things each of those things mean so righteousness means acting in accord with divine or moral law or virtue or potentially free from guilt or sin
2: Then you have right, being in according with what is just, good, or proper, conforming
1: to or in accordance with fact or truth. We also looked up upright, which is marked by strong moral integrity or adhering strictly to moral principles. And then to correct means to make or set right.
2: Equity is justice according to natural law or right, the state
1: or quality of being just or fair. Fair is just to all parties, marked by impartiality and honest, its being free from self interest, favoritism, or prejudice. And then just
0: or justice is being in consistent conformity with what is morally upright or good, administering, maintaining, or attaining what is morally
2: right. And finally, we have justify, to prove or show to be right, just or reasonable. To free someone of guilt and punishment attached to sin. And I just realized we didn't look up moral in that list, but
0: moral was a word that kept coming up in the definition. So I just pulled up Merriam Webster real quick here. Um, so, definition of moral, of or relating to principles of right and wrong behavior, uh, ethical, uh, expressing or teaching a conception of right behavior, conforming to a standard of right behavior. Um, capable of right or wrong action so that's all in line um so so going back to like this that righteousness and justice are the same thing in normal everyday christianese that i would have used for years i wouldn't have put those two together but then i saw in the greek and hebrew they were used interchangeably and then even here in the definitions that just is, is what is right um and so i think maybe initially let's do this real quick i'm gonna put you guys on the spot before the whole study, um, say in my more less understanding years, um, if I was to try to come up with a definition of righteous and justice, I am. I, so each of you want to answer to answer this. I would say righteous would be like you know, um, if I was righteous, I'm doing well. I'm I'm doing what God wants me to do. So I guess right moral behavior. Uh, justice, I probably would have said something like. Um, everybody getting what they deserve so if you do wrong you're punished and if you do right you're rewarded, something like that that's probably how I would have defined them beforehand how would you guys have done it?
2: yeah I think for me, it, uh, righteous always sounded to me like um, supremely or almost perfectly being whereas justice would have been more like what you consider in America just the serving of what is right but it's more on that punishment aspect or the law enforcement aspect not the fact that it's a just cause or a just thing so i never looked at it that way because i always thought that justice was one big thing and righteous was a totally different that was a personality trait yeah yeah never that justice was kind of a personality
1: doing yeah yeah, and for me, I would probably say a combination of what um, both of you were saying, that right, uh, you can act right. Uh, it's the better way to say that you're doing good, uh, more grammatically correct. But um, just that idea of moral correctness, where justice is more of the punishment, enforcement. Like if you're um, not being moral. Yeah, and so justice is like the Department of Justice. Like we have all of these different law enforcement things to... Uh, promote justice and fix things that go wrong and that sort of thing. And so I think, um, yeah, I definitely wanted to have put the two concepts together before this study.
0: Yeah. So this goes back to what you were saying before that we're gonna, we wanna challenge a little bit kind of the traditional way that we've seen these things. We we sat for what, probably two hours before this, just to kind of work through the outline that we wanted to go mm-hmm. through. And um, one of the, so I was, I was showing, you know, YouTube kinda of everything we wanted to include from all the all the, the documents and the studies and everything. And there's some uh, some craziness that's gonna ensue. There's some there's some tension, there's some complicated things. Mm-hmm. People are gonna give pushback, you know, et cetera. And I, I wasn't for sure how to present it. And I was kinda going all over the page. <clears throat> and so then then Ian, you gave a great analogy and I'll have you elaborate here in a second with that. But what we're gonna say is as we go through all this, as you're listening you're carefully, you're starting to kind of, you're processing everything, you're going to notice that there's an elephant in the room. Um, that the implications, as we go through these, this is what the definitions mean. Um, there's going to be some implications to that that's really going to challenge how we usually hold to these things. And, um, and we're not going to explore the elephant tonight. We're telling you right now there is an elephant in the room. A little bit later in this discussion, we're going to address what the elephant is, but we're not going to unpack it more. So you guys go ahead and kind of give your own rendering of that.
2: Yeah, so without giving it away too much, because I I don't want to overcomplicate it right now. But literally, like you said, we started and we thought we were going to have this outline pretty good. I've already taken this class, so I, I knew it. I had studied my notes. And it took us about an hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes before we went, oh this is going completely another way and it ties into way too many things that if we don't if we try to just keep going on these different trails nobody's going to get what we're saying Mm -hmm. we're going to overwhelm because it overwhelmed us we were (laughs) whiteboarding everything we had two whiteboards out and now we're just going okay never mind let's let's try to
1: baby step this in a little bit because it's blowing our minds still yeah, because I was just reminded of the Evil and Sin study that we recorded yeah. uh, a while ago now. but Because um, we started that and we thought that it was just going to be, you know, a good two and a half hour podcast. And then we started actually getting into it. We're like, hmm, maybe four. And then it ended up being like, what, eight hours or whatever it was. Yeah, um, And so I was just reminded of that, just the complexity. Because once you start going down all of the different trails that this affects, it just becomes so Uh, intermingled with all of these other concepts and so we can't do it all at once Mm -hmm. even though we would like to but it just it's not feasible even for us to in our discussions to do it let alone try and record that right and So, so so say what your recommendation was as far as like
0: let's just each of these episodes yeah
1: and so um basically what i recommended that we do and what we're moving towards doing is we're going to go through these different concepts and we're going to really provide a definition of how we want and how we think that scripture uses these different terms that in Christendom we hear all the the time. And once we lay that out, then you've described before that the rekindling concepts all tend to come together as like a forest. And there's Mm -hmm. all these different trees and the branches um, of the two trees next to each other just become intermingled. And you can really see how concepts are aligned with others. And then you take it a step further and say that what that really is, is it's with scripture, a sphere with the forest on the inside. And so all of the trees are coming into the middle and all just intermingling and everything. And that's really what this is. And so what we're going to start out doing is say these are the different trees in this forest Mm -hmm. there's a tree of justice and righteousness and judgment and grace and mercy and discipline and all these different things and then we're going to try to piece that together once we have a framework of what we actually mean when we say the words that we say yep so that's
0: that's the foresting is a good analogy where a lot of times because i've been doing this for long enough now that i've started to see oh so this is what the forest actually looks like so then in my excitement i try to present to people like the forest and it scares them sometimes Mm because it's a little bit different than kind of what we're taught sometimes in in, in american christianity um and they're like whoa where are you coming from that and so i know i have to slow back down so okay so here's this tree Mm Mm-hmm. And then they kind of okay yeah oh yeah there's branches and trunk here's this tree mm-hmm. and then now given these 12 trees what would they look like if they were all next to each other and you're and then and then and usually what happens is they're like oh, that forest mm-hmm. and so and so this is where i have to be patient kind of breaking down each of these points individually so that we can then kind of try to paint the picture of all of it so mm-hmm. um so with that with with most of these There's other related concepts that you need to understand to truly understand righteousness and justice. So some of them we've already recorded, some we haven't recorded yet. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, for example, you need to understand what good is. And so just remember there's there's that that four-part definition that if something is good, it can uh, can have worth or value. It can be pleasing. It can be beneficial or it can be moral. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, love. So remember that there's heart, soul, mind, and strength. So there's like the emotional delight part of love. There's that soul, willful commitment part of love. The mind is like that disposition or attitude or perception of the other person. Mm-hmm. And then the body is the action contributing to their well-being. Um, and then so you have, you have the, the good and the love, inner determinism. So you know, Ian, we were kind of catching you up uh, on that whole the whole spectrum piece.
2: Yeah, that's that's a crazy piece in and of itself. If you want to look into this study, yeah. so. so
0: that was like episode uh, maybe one po- or three point zero nine ten somewhere in there. Uh, you can look back on the, on the podcast. Uh, but anyways, I would recommend going back and listening to that inner mm-hmm. determinism uh, uh, thing because because that, that plays into how, how you see God's determinism affects how you're going to see this justice and patience and Mm all that kind of thing. Um, and then, and then patience, this last study we did and then judgment and punishment, the study that we're going to do next. So that, that's a little hint as to what the elephant, the elephant involves, uh, uh, punishment, Mm -hmm. uh, and then, and grace and mercy and forgiveness. The elephant is also going to include mercy and forgiveness. Uh, and then discipline, what does it actually mean to discipline, uh, a person. And, and, and we'll get back into all that. So, so those are just some of the related concepts that we're not actually going to break down here. We're just going to assume that you've either listened to the one or in a couple of episodes, you know, we'll be recording some of these and then all ties in together.
1: Yeah. And I can see how people could get frustrated because we're going through and we're saying like it's related to all these different things, but then we're not going to tell you how it's related and what the implications actually mean this episode or the next episode. Um, And so really would encourage you guys to, if you do have questions about some of the implications, shoot us an email info at rekindlingministries.com and um, start that conversation, but also know that there is more explanation coming. We just can't do it all at once. Right. All right. So let's go to the next point. Uh, The next point is the book of
0: Job. Um, So a couple, I guess two years ago, my community group, we did the book of Job. It took us seven months to do or so. And uh, it was awesome because i never really done a full study of Job. Job was always really confusing because most of that book is dialogue. And the dialogue, even though it's translated into English, comes straight from an ancient Near East mindset. And so it's really weird to understand. There's a couple parts that are clear, but a lot of it's really, really confusing. So I'm actually, um, by the way, over at Gospel this fall, um, my Sunday school class that I'm teaching is the book of Job. Um, how oh, nice! Asked me to do that. Yeah. So, uh, so, but Job comes. So Job very much comes into uh, this the study. So uh, let, let me let me explain all that.
2: Um, Wait, before you do, yeah. let me explain that when he said the book of Job, and then we were saying justice and righteousness, I looked at him like he had two heads because immediately I don't look at the book of Job until we explain this, which he's about to do. You're probably going book of Job does not seem just to me. Yeah, things happened in the end, but that was a lot of injustice to Job. Mm -hmm. But let Shannon expound on it because it kind of blew my mind.
0: Yeah. And so a lot of this comes obviously from the study itself and some of the commentary we read. And then, you know, we always talk about the crush that I have on the Bible and the videos they make. They're so stunning. Uh, and so they, they do an excellent, excellent video on the book of Job. So go on to YouTube and look at the Bibleproject.com and their book of Job. It's just awesome. And so a lot came from that. And then also um, Greg Boyd uh, kind of touches on some of this stuff as well. So anyways, here's the idea. There's something called the simple view of justice. And the simple view of justice is if you do good or you're obedient, you'll be rewarded. And if you do bad or you're disobedient, you'll be punished. And what we find is a lot of us here in the, well, the U.S., really even the world, hold to the simple view of justice. And one of the points of the book of Job is don't
2: hold to the simple view of justice. Right, that's the mind-blown part.
0: Yeah, and so so Job, or Iob, um Job and his friends actually, you know, so they fight, right? They fight the entire book. all well, I'm talking about the first three. Elu who comes in a little bit later. But the first three and Job, all four of them actually agree that the simple view of justice is the way things work. And so they actually all agree on that, and they come from that same point. They just argue different conclusions. <laughs> Um, so, for so the friends say, "Listen, Job. We know that justice is if you do good, you're rewarded, and if you do bad, you're punished." Clearly, all this stuff happening to you is a punishment. So what that means is you've done some bad. So you just need to figure out the bad that you were doing and stop doing it and fixing it, and the punishment will go away. Mm -hmm. And then Job's response is, you guys are right. If you do good, you're rewarded. And if you do bad, you're, you're punished. That is what justice is. You're right. But the thing is, and yes, you're also right, I am being punished. The problem is I haven't done anything bad. I can tell you right now I've always been upright. Uh, and so what that means is, since I'm actually being punished, though I haven't done any bad or wrong, it means that God is either not just, or he's acting unjustly with me right now, and I really wish he would explain himself, um, but I know that he's not going to, and so I'm just frustrated.
1: Yeah, and I think that it's interesting because it's pretty easy to say, well, of course, there's. it's more complicated than that simple view of justice, that's just them— But I know it's really easy to live with this understanding, um, because I know even, unfortunately, not that long ago, I would be going through my day, and um, if I felt like I was doing, I was reading my Bible, I was praying, I was doing the different things that I thought I was supposed to be doing, and good things happen, I'm like, yes, good, I'm doing, doing the things I'm supposed to, so God's rewarding me, this is great. But then I would sin and then I would stub my toe and I would say, oh, (laughs) yep, I sinned. And so I stubbed my toe. So that's my punishment. And so now we're good. Right. And um, obviously that's a pretty simplified example. But when I I feel like if we're honest, a lot of times we do come back to this. Right. That it just is really natural to assume, Okay, this bad thing happened. What have I done the last week? Uh, I told a lie. Yep, that's because of that. Okay. And then we feel like, okay, so it's taken care of. Now we can move on.
0: And the flip side of that... Let's say uh, overall you've been pretty good that you've been reading your Bible, you've been having your devotions, you know, and that kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And then some bad things happen. You're like, wait, why is bad happening to me? I'm actually trying to be obedient. Mm-hmm. Or if you've been living or you or another has been living in a bunch of sin and then some good things happen. Wait, why is good things happening to them? They're a, a sinful wretch or I'm mm-hmm. a sinful wretch, right? So we, so most of us do to some extent hold this. Yeah. So, so, so the majority of the conversation through the book of Job is they keep they keep repeating themselves talking past each other so they made their point job makes his point and then they make their point again and then job makes his point again and no Mm -hmm. one's no one's really listening to each other another interesting thing is going back to the beginning of the book of job you see the accuser which is probably satan uh coming to god uh and basically he says you know that job holds to the simple view of justice the reason why he's such an upright man doing all these good things is because he knows reward is coming, and that's why he's doing it. So if, if you were to bring anything bad his way, he would stop being good. So what so what we actually so what we learned from the study was God says, you know, you're right. Job does hold to the simple view of justice, and I don't want him to hold to that simple view of justice. I need him to actually move, kind of spoiler alert, to the complex view of justice. Um, so you know what, Satan? Have at it. Go ahead and be the catalyst hmm. to breaking Job of the simple view of justice. Right. So this was amazing. Yeah. Uh, and so and it's one of those deals like now, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Mm-hmm. Right. Kind of going through all those studies. Um, and so 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 they go through all the conversations, and then Elihu comes in, the young guy, and he's not perfect. He's kind of a kind of a, a jerk a, a couple times. But one of the things that Elihu does it, is he counters or questions. He questions the simple view of justice. And, and the idea is he's saying, is it, is it that really that simple that if you do good, you're rewarded, and if you do bad, you're punished? It seems that we, you know, we need to be careful in kind of putting God on trial here. It seems there may be more going on with that than we realize. Mm. Uh, and so then God comes in and speaks. And so God does... He has two dial you know conversations, monologues that he does. And so the first one is, you know, Job stand up and, and I think the second one was stand up and and I want to dress you like a man. But the first one is, Were you there when I created things? Do you understand how the currents of the ocean work? Do you know why a dough feeds the way that it feeds? Do you understand why this got made this way, etc.? And he goes through all of these complexities, all these complex realities of creation, all these different details, all these different things that Job knows nothing about. Hmm. And then the second monologue is talking about the, the the Leviathan and the Behemoth, which were these massive creatures, whatever they were. Um, I have theories, uh, but um, but anyways, and he says, you know these these thing, these creatures are so massive, you guys can't even come close to them. But what they are to you in dominance of power and strength, I am to them. Hmm. That that I am so strong, so big, etc. So so the God's two points. So you know, because because remember, Job's whole point was, I wish God would explain to me why He is not acting justly with me. Uh, and so when God comes in, God doesn't answer that question, doesn't explain why all that that was happening. He just says, Do you know all the complexities of life, and are you as strong as I am? Hmm. And Job actually. Takes it, right? He takes it. He gets the point that God's making. that there are complexities that he doesn't realize. And God is way stronger, more powerful than he is. And so Job actually comes along and submits to God and says, you know what? Yeah, I need to not oversimplify things like I have. There is some complex reality. And then God loves that, that Job came to that. So, so again, the book of Job is, is trying to actually move you away from a simple view of justice to a complex view of justice. Now, what's interesting about the book of Job is it never actually tells you anything about that complex view. Hmm. So the point is, guys, stop holding to the simple view of justice. Stop thinking it's as simple as if you do good, you're rewarded. If you do bad, you're punished. It is tons more than that. I'm not going to tell you what that is. Just accept it. Now... So then some think, okay, so first, so that, so some want to find it, but if you come around to, okay, cool. So there's complex view, but we can't know what that complex view is. No, the book of Job tells you, we're not going to tell you what it is. So the, the purpose of the Job is not to tell you what the complex view is. It's just to tell you there is a complex view. Mm-hmm. But as you read through the rest of scripture, you actually start to get little hints as to what this complex view is. And so that's, so that's what some of the stuff that we're going to be discussing here. Does it make sense? Mm-hmm. Any comments on Joe and, and, and that, 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 that idea?
2: No, I, I think the one big thing is now if we can all just take that idea and, and pause for a second and say, okay, that sounds like a really good thing, Shannon, but you're still not going to be able to explain to me what this complex view is. I think what we've kind of peeled off on this onion without going too, too far is just that. We're going to go into what that complex view looks like. So... That's why I really appreciated the way that you blew my mind with. Oh wait, that whole job story opens up to how true righteousness or rightness or true justice or just actually happens in the real world mm-hmm. with God and with other people. Yeah. So, um, did either one of you guys do the humility study?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. So that but, that
2: was the biggest one for me.
0: So I always give that as an example that the before the study we would have defined humility as like a minimizing of one's own talents. So it's oh someone you did a great job. No no, I you know, I just did whatever. And so American English definition of humility is to kind of minimize or at least not uh, stretch your talents or or achievements. The biblical definition of humility is um, kneeling before God in uh, adoration, security and submission. So one of the things, I think it was Jules that had said, she goes, this is great. So I had always thought humility was how you present yourself to others, but biblical humility is actually how you interact with God. And so it's not the opposite. It's just a different thing.
2: Right. And it's not this, oh, we're not worthy. We're not worthy. Right. I can't look at you. It's no, look at you. Look at God. Mm-hmm. Look at him with the adoration. Look at him yeah. with eyes of loves. And know that he actually wants to interact with you, right? And uh, as far as your interaction on Earth, yeah, you don't have to walk around going, "Well, not I, but Christ." Right. You, of course, that's true. But you can actually give yourself a little credit for right. for right. when you do good things, right?
1: So, with this view here, oh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, because I think it's it's. Once you start recognizing that it's actually God that gave you the talent and it's, um, you change the focus from yourself to God, then that does impact the way that you see other people right. or the way that other people see you. Because if you're the person that, um, maybe you're the best, I don't know, soccer player around, um, and you're on national stages, whatever. And every time you speak, you say, no, I, I'm humbly submitted to my savior in adoration of him. Right. Instead of, yeah, you know, I'm the best people see that and that will change their perspective of how you're being. And then that's kind of practically how people see you being humble. Right. Because like we talked about in the study, it's not you walk around saying, yeah, I'm humble because that defeats the purpose. Yeah. But just that change in mentality there. Right. So we're we're rabbit trailing. (laughs) We don't want to do that. Um, So come back to to the to the righteous justice.
0: So so with that point, though what we're finding is we're changing we're we're align, realigning our definitions of righteousness and justice to what the scripture would say and it's not the opposite so we're not saying that the idea of good is rewarded and bad is punished we're not saying that's not true mm-hmm. we're not saying that's not an element of justice but what we're learning is that's not the point that becomes a secondary issue which gets back to the elephant that we'll come back to later um, all right, so so with that, so oh, and, and also with the, with the complex view, this is where the inner determinism really goes a long way. That that why is something happening. Mm-hmm. Um, there is the the active versus soft determinism, active versus passive, soft versus hard, divine versus angelic versus demonic versus human versus animal. Right, there's all these different factors. so You need to go back and listen to that one, but that that begins to show some of that complex stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus, how all, all these other related concepts are kind of coming in with all that. So, anyways, so so we we went through the the um the wordings and the definitions and we we paid attention to the whole job study and 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 some of these other related concepts then we went through all the 1153 verses um, of righteousness and justice Mm -hmm. and and so then we concluded with what is so what is the the definition of righteousness and justice um and so so what we found was there's actually two definitions Um, And how are we gonna explain this? Um, Let me turn to I'm pulling all all my documents up here Um, I'm scrolling down to towards the well, actually I'm going to the summary page. That's what I'm gonna go to Um, All right. so what you have is Keeping in mind that righteousness and justice are pretty much synonyms. So I think what we'll talk about well the first the first one is to be righteous, uh, or to be just, means to have a right standing or right relationship with God. So we see Paul use this when he talks about the righteousness that we have that comes from faith. So if you place your faith in, in Jesus, if you confess him as Lord, Romans 10, 9, if you believe in him, John 3, 16, et cetera, um, you are now righteous. You now have a right standing Or a right relationship with God and because of that you get to go to that eternal kingdom of heaven the second definition of righteous or just is um, kind of in your character or internally being right and then actively behaviorally doing what is right now here in a little bit we're gonna explain what is right Um, but, but that, so, but, but I, I feel like I'm, I'm jumping all around. So I wanna reiterate that. So the first definition to be righteous or just means that you have a right relationship or are in right standing with God because of his grace and love and atonement and because of your faith, and so you get to go to that eternal kingdom of heaven. The second definition of righteous or just is in your character, in your attitude, etc. cetera, you're actually um, being right, right-minded you are aligning yourself with God's parameters of what is right and then you're behaving and doing what is right or you're trying to make things right. So with those two definitions, we what we see is the, I, mean, I mentioned this earlier to you guys, Paul uses both definitions. He keep so especially in Romans, but in a bunch of his letters. Yep so he, he, he constantly is referring to righteousness or justice and he uses them interchangeably sometimes when he's talking about righteousness and justice he's talking about that right relationship and right standing with God how to get it what it results in other times when he's talking about righteousness and justice he's talking about right attitude and right behavior and doing right things typically he doesn't tell you which one he's referring to when he uses that term he expects the reader to understand so one of the things, one of the benefits I got from when we did this study is because I didn't know all this. I was like, oh, so now when I go to read Romans or Ephesians or whatever, and and Paul is talking about righteousness, I said, oh, wait, hold on. Is he talking about the right standing and right relationship with God that comes from faith and results in heaven? Or is he talking about that right moral um, attitude and character and behavior that comes from that like all the things you're supposed to do and so I asked myself oh oh, he's talking about this one so then I can read that passage oh that makes sense what he's doing so that was very very helpful for me Does
2: it make sense oh yeah big time any comments on that no and, and it goes further than just Paul but Paul was one of the biggest ones that you can kind of see that he, he used that as a synonym but if you look in Proverbs or if you look in in some of the Psalms you know a just man versus a right man well actually it's not verses; it's the same person mm-hmm. uh, so you'll see that all throughout Scripture that if they're talking about one or the other they're pretty much talking about the same thing
0: yeah uh, here in a second rom- remind me to touch on that Romans 5 because it makes yep. more sense what that is but I, I don't do it right yet so so another, so, so so I want you to remember as you're listening to this that we have these two definitions that right standing right relationship that comes from faith results in eternal life and then that right um, thinking and attitude and character that results then in right behavior for the rest of the study, we're going to focus more on the second definition, the actually right thinking and right character and right behavior. Not as much the right standing and the right relationship, because that goes back to the faith study that we did in, I me think, one, two, three, four, maybe f- episode five, 3.05, somewhere in there, um, yeah, I think it was 3.05, uh, but anyways. Uh, um, so that goes back to the faith one. That faith equals belief plus trust, right? So if you're believing in Jesus as Lord, Romans 10:9, um, then then you now have that right standing. So it's a little confusing why they're using these two terms for these two different definitions, but it is what it is. Um, and so and so we're gonna um, we're gonna lay that one aside for the most part we're gonna come back to it a couple of times but we're gonna focus more on we're, we're kind of assuming that you've believed in Jesus and so now you're righteous in that term but now that you're righteous in that right relationship now you want to become righteous in your be at your attitude your thinking your character and your behavior and we're gonna focus more on that
1: Yeah, because this is kind of the difference uh, that people talk about with being positionally righteous in Christ, and then more of like the practical, what does that look like on a day-to-day basis with the actual actions that you're doing, which comes from uh, your actual heart and where you're at um, with your character and emotionally and that sort of thing.
0: Uh, Okay, so with that, so I'm going to go ahead and read that logos quote. Um, the confusing one, we're just going to put it out there. Um, I, when we, so it's been, you said a year and a half since we did a study. So when we were going back through the quote, we're like, wait, wait, I sort of remember that, but I remember it was very helpful for me back then. So we included it. So we're going to include it now. We're not really going to go and unpack all of it, but we're hoping that maybe some of you can get something out of this. So we'll, we'll share it. Um, but this, this came from Lagos from, from the software that they had an article on righteousness. And so they said it is probably better. Not to play off normativity and relational notions of righteousness against each other. Um, oh, you know what? It's just dawning on me. The normative would be what is the normal behavior that one should do. And the relational was that relationship part. So so, th- so they were talking about these two definitions. And so they're saying it's probably... Yeah, this makes so much more sense now. It's probably better not to play those two off of each other. Um, that is because while... It, while it is a linguistic mistake to try to attribute to Setic, that Hebrew word that we were talking about uh, any single uh, grundbegriff, begriff. This is one of the reasons why I want to give this quote. I love that word. Grun begriff is just, a, I think, a German word for an overarching concept. So, while while it's a linguistic to misti- while it's a ling- linguistic mistake to try to attribute righteousness to any single overarching concept it would appear that uh, righteousness is associated with a web of concepts related to both the normativity and the behavioral part of it all and uh, legitimacy, which is part of that right standing. Um, Yet it is the social and covenantal relationships that provide the norm itself. So what, what, what they're saying there is it is two separate concepts, but that are not independent of each other. That's what they're saying.
1: And that makes a lot more sense than I remember the first time we read through that. I was just like, what? Yeah.
0: yeah, I'm glad that that clicked. Um, All right. And then some other notes. So at its core, righteousness means to, and this is that second definition, Mm -hmm. righteousness means to be in the right. So the idea is in your attitude, your character, your behavior, et cetera, it's something straight, something level, something correct, something accurate, something true to what God would intend, Mm -hmm. et cetera. So my proposal here is that biblically, and so now we're kind of getting into what is right, but biblically, um, what makes something right is its connection to love, goodness, holiness, and sovereignty slash authority. IE because God is the loving good holy sovereign creator. He is innately right and anything he establishes is, is right So let me let me elaborate on that. Mm-hmm. so I think over the years if I'd asked someone the question why are these things right and these things wrong the answer I, I usually would have got is because God says so While that's true. It doesn't actually answer my question. Yeah. So I have, to, I have to rephrase the question to, okay, yeah, yeah, it's right and wrong because God calls it so, but why does God call those things right, and mm-hmm. why does he call these things wrong? So this goes back to the good and evil studies that we did, that good means something beneficial and evil means something detrimental. So what, what I believe is, is that what makes something right is if it is beneficial to well-being, mm-hmm. yours and or others'. And what makes something wrong is if it's detrimental to your well-being or others. So, the idea here is that there's some relationship between right and good. Mm -hmm. Though, remember in our discussion, we said we can't quite nail them to the wall. Yeah, not quite one to one. It's not quite one to one. Go ahead and and add on that, Ian. Yeah, and
2: I think uh, the way that we figured that one out, because at first we were like, "Oh yes, uh, you know, right must." be somehow very, very closely related to good. And then we brought up the fact that, well, what is a righteous act? And and you had mentioned, oh, well, if somebody gives uh, $100,000 to a charity, uh, that's, but has the wrong intentions about it. Maybe just wants the accolades. They want, you know, to be pat on the back. Maybe they just want the tax write-off. Who knows? But it's not a truly what you would consider whole wholeheartedly good act because they wanted something else out of it. So it's not really a righteous act. A righteous one means that it's completely or a right act is completely out of love, goodness, kindness, all those things, mm-hmm. not looking for any extras. Right. So that's when we said, okay, it can be a good act because it's definitely good for the charity. It's good for, you know, however that money's used, but it's not an actual personal good or personal righteous act. Right. Right. So that was the differentiation we made between. Which is good. Almost every righteous act is good, but not every good act is righteous. Right. I like that. So,
0: so now also too note that like in modern English, if if someone, if you know, you're taking a test and the teacher says yes, that is the right answer. What they mean by right is it's correct or it's accurate. So in the Bible, when it talks about right. It's not saying it's not that, but it's not really the emphasis that it's getting to. So it's not talking about what is like accurate or correct, though it's partly that. It's more about what is good and beneficial and loving um, and with that, whatever is divinely authorized. But God authorizes things based on if it's good and beneficial. Right? Or, um, or good. Yeah. So and then also Zach, make the point about for the rest of the discussion, kind of if we use right or just oh and by the way I told you guys ahead of time this notice that we're using right more than we're using righteous mm-hmm. because righteous is such a ease right. thing it's the same thing righteous and right are the same thing mm-hmm. but we're actually going to be mostly using the word right to try to get away from that Christian ease and try to get to the point of what it is yeah. but anyways go ahead and make the other point
1: yeah because uh, we've been saying that righteousness and being right and justice are basically the same things and so it's i I was trying to figure out well what what's the difference then like because there's got to be some amount of nuance to figure out what the actual like we would have it would just be the same word if it were actually just the same thing and kind of what we were talking about is that when we talk about something being right it's more of used as an adjective Whereas when we talk about something uh, acting justly, it's more used in the verb sense. And so it's just the idea of right is more or less used to describe an action where justice is typically more of the actual action itself. Mm -hmm. So more of the verb. We can also say when we're
0: talking about being right or righteous, we're talking more about the be Mm -hmm. Kind of internally, your character, your attitude, et cetera. And when we talk about just or justice, we're talking a little bit more about the do.
1: Yeah. So, so to reiterate, there. Sorry, just really yeah. quick there, because the be and the do and then the have, just a quick reminder, yeah. is that relationship aspect, uh, which is more salvation.
2: Yeah,
0: so another way that you can say this to kind of try to make sense of all this is there is a have righteousness or a have justice, same thing, mm-hmm. which is that having that right relationship or right standing with God because of faith resulting in heaven. Then there's the be-do righteousness or the be-do justice, which is the internal character and attitude that leads to these actions that benefit others Mm -hmm. benefit self and others. Right. Um, all right. So continuing with that. So what exactly makes something right? Looking off the notes here, um, we wrote, you know, something that is accurate and true, something that's loving, loving or good or beneficial or with the the divinely authorized. Um, it's also associated. Well, so in the study we learned that, um, That that justice is associated with perfect or perfection pure upright commendable honorable uh, Faithful also light and brightness so we learn that each of those things are actually their own separate thing But the bible likes to pair up righteousness slash justice with That which is honorable or commendable or bright or light or whatever Um, and so also looking at the notes here um, let's go through the um, uh, what, uh, what is right column there. So, so what we learned, so, so the, the, the main thing we want you to take away from is something is right or just, if it's beneficial, if it's creating good. So when we say that, that justice is the, is the doing right or making things right, it means that you're doing good or you're making good occur. Which means that you're doing beneficial things or you're creating benefit for others Um, Some of the other specifics that we learn from the study where the Bible would flat out say this is a right thing Or this is a just thing we learn that to fear the Lord and have a heart after God
2: Hungering and thirsting for what is right is right And then giving an ear to his and learn his wisdom ways and commands And living in a sensible and godly way is definitely right.
1: We also saw that resisting temptations, denying lust, and becoming pure is right. It's also right or just to do everything in faith, endurance,
0: peace, and love in strong community. Think about that just for a second. What is a just thing? Like, like how is justice served? One of the ways that justice is served is if whatever you're doing, it, you're, you're, whatever you're doing, you're doing with faith in God, you're enduring through suffering, you have peace in the midst of it all, you're loving in the midst of community. Before the study, I wouldn't have necessarily associated those things. Um, I would say those are good things but not just things. And now I'm learning good things and just things are, for the most part,
2: interchangeable. And then you have being honest, truthful, accurate, and hating what is false. And that falls both in, in right and just because, you know, to be just to another is, you know, not bearing false witness mm-hmm. to being honest with them. So it falls in both right and just.
1: Yep. We also saw that giving joyfully is something that's right. So what's
0: one way you can pursue justice? Give joyfully. Right? I love that. Um, we saw that. So you, you want to establish justice. You want to stand up to and stop oppression of the widow, orphan, alien, etc. So this becomes one of the more frequent ones that was mentioned in the study. Right. That one of the ways actually that justice is served is if oppression is resisted and victims are taken care of.
2: Yeah, and then also to make fair and equitable. Accurate- equitable judgments you know have no favoritism no bribes distorting of truth again you get into that whole truth thing and, and you just see it all the way around and no degrading punishment which is a big one
0: yeah and the, and the key there is we're not saying no punishment we're gonna that's part of the elephant um but no degrading punishment right so so if one is punishing in a degrading faction, fashion one is not being just
2: yep and we're not gonna go any further on that one <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah we'll leave that for right now yeah
1: it's also right to be speaking with life and edification, and I think coupled with this is speaking the truth, mm-hmm. uh, just making sure that we're actually being accurate with what we are saying.
0: Uh, here comes the elephant uh, again. Um, another act of justice is to show mercy, covering over the sin rather than displaying it, and um, and, and forgiving the sin and again, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll leave that there for right now, but just just chew on that for a second that uh, Forgiveness is a form of justice
2: not the opposite right and yes We'll move to the next Also teaching others to do right turning them to righteousness gently without quarreling So yeah, you definitely want to push people towards all these different things that we're talking about to Get them to the point of being right
1: yeah, and then uh, just two quick ones that are m- more specific in Scripture. Children obeying their parents, that's something that's right, and mm-hmm. it's good um, for a lot of different reasons, obviously. And, but then also interesting uh, enough in Scripture, it also talks about caring for animals is something that's right.
0: I thought that was cool. Yeah. As Ghost sits here and chews on her stuffed animal. Ghost, you're you're chewing on the dog. She's not taking care of that stuffed animal. But, um, I lost my place. All right, and then uh, and then last one in in the Old Testament, um, making right sacrifices, uh, allowing buybacks—that was part of the redeem rules in in Leviticus and some other places. uh, Treating slaves fairly. Now, we're not going to get into the whole slavery issue. We'll say it's a progressive revelation thing. We just finished the Exodus study and understands more. Believe me when I say we're not saying that slavery is just. Um, There's a whole lot to that. Um, But at least in the Old Testament with where they're at, treating them fairly was a just thing. Right.
2: And you can actually take that one step further where now, um, even though employment is not slavery, employers treat your employees with care. Right. Same concept. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, So those are some of the examples
0: of what is right or what is just Um, and it was cool to kind of, kind of see those, um, there was definitely not an emphasis on punishment, uh, and really not even an emphasis on reward. So going back to that simple view of justice, it wasn't emphasizing a simple view at all.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you said that very quick. So I just want to take one second to reemphasize that there wasn't an emphasis on punishment in the justice study that just, if you would have told me that, uh, before, like it just, Because originally when I thought of justice, I thought of the Department of Justice, which is like the court system and all of the different things that go into that. And uh, when a wrongdoer does something, they go before the court and then they get their sentencing and their punishment and then they go to jail, like Mm -hmm. whatever it is. But that's not actually uh, the point of justice in scripture. And this is, again, getting back to that elephant that we keep referring to because all of these concepts are interrelated. Mm -hmm. But I I just wanted to take a second to emphasize that, that that's not the main point of this. Right. Um, uh, And then another
0: little note uh, I'm looking here, we won't go a whole lot into this, but one of the other things that we saw, this is in the the details and nuances there on the summary page, Uh, one of the things that we saw... Um, was that, that justice and righteousness can be done falsely or deceptively with wrong intention uh, and a heart far from God and there's no reward for that. So that kind of goes back to what you were saying a little bit ago, Ian. Uh, and then kind of with that, um, we saw that justice can be done perfectly and without fault, though normally that's a very temporary thing or in a very narrow situation. So it is possible to do perfect justice but that's usually very much in the moment, um, not overarching. Um, uh, and then with that, we saw that it can be, again, we can be done in a polluted fashion. It can be done falsely and deceptively with wrong intentions again. So so there is, this goes back to what you already said, Ian, that one can sort of pretend or put on a, a veneer. I don't know if that's the right use of the word. but uh, Sounds good enough. Yeah, put on a veneer of righteousness and justice when it's not really righteousness and justice. Correct. Yeah. Um, So those were those were some of the notes. So the next thing that we want to discuss is the benefits of it, and this is sort of a, a duh. You know when you get to it, um, but we, we want to work through that. So what we're going to do is we're going to go back first to that relationship, the have righteousness and justice, so that right relationship or right standing with God. So so the what are the sources and causes? So I put here where does like a, a a justified righteousness come in, or how do you get that have righteousness? How do you give that? How do you get that right relationship or right standing with God from two things? One, uh, his. His righteousness and justice, and atoning work and love, uh, his death, his sacrificial death on the cross, uh, and then your uh, humble faith and belief in that. So it is by, by it is by grace through faith that you've been saved. So how do you get that that right relationship with God? By A, him loving you and dying on the cross and all the gospel, and, yeah. and A, point two, or B, or whatever, um, you placing your faith in that. And then so, given that, what are the results and benefits? One is, God is with you, Emmanuel. Um, you're going to have a peace and friendship with him. So when you have that right standing or that right relationship with God, he is right there with you. He doesn't leave you or forsake you, and you're going to get all kinds of peace and, and friendship that comes from that.
2: And then you're saved from con- condemnation and you have hope in the midst of death, which I always love your the the way that you put that, you know, when when you do pass on that it, you know there's going to be these pages mm. in the book of your life, and they're going to be blank, even though that was a sinful time or it was a bad time, it's already been paid for, it's already over. You don't have to worry about God harping over. Why'd you do that that way? It's yep. just a blank page. so Romans eight
0: one, there's no condemnation. All of your sin is written down, then erased.
2: And unfortunately, I'm going to have a really big chapter of a lot of blank pages for a little while. You you and I both, (laughs) it.
1: Another result and benefit of the relationship that we can have with Christ is it revives us and it brings us life. Uh, Just the idea of a tree of life, even, just flowing. We saw that God will deliver your soul
0: out of trouble. That doesn't mean that He prevent, if you have a right relationship with God, he prevents suffering. We learned that from the suffering study and from the evil and sin suffering. But it can deliver your soul out of trouble. This would actually, So I, I, even like when we did that study, I didn't know exactly what that meant. But now that we've done the grieving recovery study, um, that makes more sense.
2: Yeah, and then you have eternal life in the kingdom of heaven. You get to enter the gates of the Lord, dwell in his presence, and reign with him.
0: So, um, he died on the cross. You place your faith in him. You now have right standing or right relationship. Doesn't mean you're intimate yet. That's more that maturity sanctification thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But you have that right relationship with him. So, your sin's forgiven. You're going home when you die. Um, all right. And then, so then that second definition of, of just and righteous, which is more of the be and the do, as far as like internally you're becoming more right and uh, uh, right minded, and then the right behavior. How does that come about? Also, basically, to a two part deal on A and a B. A, the Holy Spirit will begin to empower, educate, enlighten, illuminate, edify, encourage, discipline, all these different phrases you can say. The Holy Spirit will begin to empower you to think rightly and do rightly. Mm -hmm. And then B, you obey. And so you, Galatians 5, you walk in step with the Spirit. It says if you walk in step with the Spirit, you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. And so if you're walking in step with the Spirit, you'll begin to... um, think more rightly and behave more rightly so one one note I want to make on that is so what that means is you can have that right relationship and it doesn't automatically mean that you're now thinking rightly and behaving rightly this is why you can be righteous and not righteous at the same time Um, and so you get that first relationship righteousness from that faith and then, and then you get the, be, the thinking and behavioral righteousness over long terms by walking in step with the Spirit. So Paul says there later in Galatians 5 or 6, he says, so now that we have life in the Spirit, let us be led by the Spirit. So what he's saying is now that you have that right relationship righteousness with God, Let's begin to transform hmm. and let the Holy Spirit lead so that you can now begin to get the other type of righteousness, which is the thinking and the doing. It really makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Anyways, so at now assuming that, so assuming you have that right relationship and all the results and benefits that come from that, and you're now beginning to walk in step with the Spirit more, uh, go back to seven uh, seven stages journey, the you're, wa- you're not, not just boat riding, you're now water walking and wind walking, mm-hmm. and so at, and this goes back to the maturity study that we did already um, as you are now maturing and you're walking in step with, with the Holy Spirit, and you're now beginning to see and think and feel more rightly you're beginning to see what the beneficial things that God has set up are, and you're now beginning to do and behave in those right ways, that you're now um, behaving beneficially and creating benefit for others community etc what are some of the benefits and results that come from that so one of them is God's plans are better accomplished so the more thinking and behaving rightly you do the more his plans are accomplished
2: and also you're made holy and you're counted worthy and boasted about a little bit
0: yeah so you're not necessarily boasted uh, just as the believer but mm-hmm. God begins to boast if you're starting to do some of that thinking and behaving righteousness and justice
1: yeah, and then thirdly, we have you can go free and thrive like a green leaf. You're covered with a shield, and you can be full of rest. So those are actual specific verses. Those are phrases that we mm-hmm. saw that, that we,
0: we put in together. Um, you're going to have more happiness, joy, more praise, and songs. Um, as you, and this, by the way, going back to the joy study, which we haven't recorded yet, um, there's different baskets of joy, and one of them actually is justice. So that, ooh, that was two branches just merging. That's cool.
2: Go ahead, Ian. Yeah, fruit. Yeah, there we are. Yeah, and then we have fruit, such as steadfast love, as well as wisdom and discernment, making you wise counsel for others. Which, by
0: the way, goes to the knowledge, uh, understanding, wisdom study that we
2: did. And yep. another branch, another tree coming in. And this is where we start to get the whole forest
1: getting yep. put together. Yep. It also results in more effective prayer. Uh, there's a verse that talks about the prayer of a righteous man avails much.
0: Yeah, so the prayer of the one who's in right standing with God in general or the one who's actually beginning to think and behave more rightly. It's it's probably more that second one, right? Um, and then also you're going to get more favor in God's sight. Uh, he will grant you your good desires, and things will go well. Your needs will be met. So let me just make a comment on that. We're In a couple episodes here, we're going to do grace, and grace basically means to show favor to, and there's a difference between showing favor to and favoritism. Um, without getting too much into it, we've always, you know, understand that grace is that unconditional favor. That's true, but what we found in the grace study, there's also conditional favor. There's actually both. Uh, and so there's some favor that God's just going to show to you because he loves you, whether you're being good or or not. There's other favor that he's only going to show to you if you're being good, just righteous. And so that was, that was kind of actually
1: cool to see in the scripture. Mm -hmm. And I think that, uh, some of that comes from if you are an unbeliever or if you're actually a maturing believer is where some of that can come from. Yep.
2: Yeah. And then you're going to have blessings, rewards, and treasure. A possible lengthening of prosperity, such as protection from disease and bountiful crops. And we just found that scripturally. It's not always. Right. It's not a... Not a prosperity gospel. It's not a simple one and not a prosperity one. But you can just imagine that if you're acting rightly and you're doing right things, most likely that's going to end up in right things in your health, right things in other areas. Maybe sometimes divinely. Maybe you're just making good decisions.
0: Yep. So this goes back to the simple view of justice where it is partially right. It's just incomplete. So if you do good, you reward it. It is not It is not a one-to-one. It is not a guaranteed formula mm-hmm. that if you do good, you reward it. What we did find, though, is that if one is doing good, reward can come with that. But it's yeah. complex.
1: And with that whole simple view of justice thing that last uh – result here is not a benefit um, because if you are actually being righteous, you're probably going to be attacked and persecuted by the wicked. And so that goes back to this simple view of justice that that can't be the case because a actual result of you being righteous and just being right and just uh, is that there can be persecution and there may be attacks. And so this goes back to that suffering step. Remember we talked about there's God-initiated suffering and others-initiated
0: suffering? Mm -hmm. So you can't just say, oh, you're experiencing suffering as some sort of punishment for a wrong that you're doing. Potentially, that's possible. (laughs) Yeah. But there's a whole bunch of other reasons why um, you're getting punished or going through that suffering. Mm -hmm. Um, And then inversely, a whole bunch of good is happening to you. Maybe you've been really aligning with God and he's showing you some favor um maybe you're you're getting good cuz you're lucky um or because you know you just worked hard mm-hmm. and you did that paper route you know etc so this is why job makes the comment he's like i see the wicked have all this prosperity you know kind of thing and he mm-hmm. was he said, that's that's not that's not justice that's not the simple view of justice mm-hmm. right so anyways um all right, so, so those are, are some of the benefits. So now we're going to move into um, some of the deeper stuff, some of the insights and implications and, and tensions that, that come in, in the text of all this. So the first thing I'm going to do is... Uh, I'm going to pull up the, the notes, and I'm going to read through some of the other stuff that we had from from the study. So, r- so we talked about righteousness and justice are cognate cognates. They're of a same or similar nature. They're generally like. So I'm just going to read some some of the notes we got from this. So justice seems to be the behavior that follows from being in the right. We talked about that already. Um, Lagos and another point that Lagos made was it says that divinely righteous action, whether taken by humanity or God, that promotes equality among humanity. And I wouldn't necessarily say quality. I think benefit would be the better rendering that promotes benefit among humanity. Um, used in relation to uplifting the righteous and oppressed. Now, so, the, so now they're kind of getting into more of that simple view of justice. The idea is, is that you uplift the righteous and, and oppressed and you debase the unrighteous and oppressors. Uh, and we're going to counter that. Uh, But anyways, in the Old Testament, the concept of justice refers to divinely ordained actions that promote the well-being and equality or or benefit uh, of all humanity. Whether justice is served by punishing oppressors or by vindicating the oppressed, there's always the concept of returning humanity to shalom, an equilibrium in which wrongs have been made right and the impoverished have been restored to prosperity. Um, so this is where yep yeah, that chart. So of course you guys are just listening on the podcast. We don't have the videos up yet, but we we draw this little chart out. So if you draw like a um, like a big plus sign, so like a, like a uh, what's that called? A, a coordinate plane. So you have like the, the vertical line and the horizontal line. So you have the, kind of the four quadrants. So above the horizontal line um, is that which is good, beneficial, right, just, etc. That which is below that horizontal line is that which is detrimental, evil, wrong, suffering. Not all suffering, but some, but some suffering, et cetera. So that's, that's above and below. Then you have that vertical line. So you have to the right and to the left. To the left is referring to the offender, the oppressor, the wrongdoer, the victimizer. On the right side, that is um, for the, the victim, the oppressed, the one experiencing wrong. Okay? So we're going to start on the on the right side there. So what you have, so so given that chart, what is justice? Justice is an arrow pointing up. So when justice looks at the oppressed, when justice looks at the victim, it says, oh, this person or persons is experiencing detriment, non-well-being. They're being harmed or hurt in some way. I don't like that. I justice don't like that because I want to make things right. Beneficial. Good. So I am going to pull that oppressed victim out of the detriment uh, at the very least back up to the neutral kind of horizontal line, but really up into the positive. So justice. So what justice does, this is where social justice comes in. That it's looking at those that have been wronged or taken advantage of or aren't, you know, even if not necessarily they, they've been wronged, but they're not experiencing good beneficial things. They don't have enough money for food or for warmth in the winter or whatever. Uh, and so justice says, ooh, I don't like that. I want to make things right. I want to make things good. I want to make things beneficial. So I'm going to come alongside that oppressed victim and I'm going to pull them up into some kind of benefit. I'm going to feed them. I'm going to clothe them. I'm going to protect them. You know, I'm going to take them out of some dangerous situation, whatever. So, so that was really cool to see that. What's interesting is it doesn't change on the left side of the column. That the arrow still points up. And so justice looks at the offender, the wrongdoer, the victimizer. Justice recognizes that hurt people hurt people. And justice says, this is still a human. And so I want this human who's doing wrongdoing... I want this human to actually experience benefit good what is right etc I don't want them to experience detriment simply because they're causing detriment I don't want to harm them just because they're causing harm I'm not saying that's not a thing that would be like retributive punishment this is part of the elephant we're gonna come back to that next week etc Uh, but so so we're not saying there is none of that but we're laying that aside and we're saying that justice is actually wanting the victimizer and the offender and the wrongdoer wanting them also to experience what is beneficial and good, et etc. So this is where you start, like, wait, wait, no, 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 no. Wrongdoers do not deserve to have good happen to them. Biblical justice says, yes, they do. And here's the thing, two, two reasons why. One, they're still human. So they still, justice says, I want humans and even animals, right? But I want humans to experience what is beneficial. So even though they've done wrong, that doesn't take away this opportunity to to have them experience benefit. Mm -hmm. Also, if because, you know, because I hurt people, hurt people, they've gone through a not not necessarily, but a lot of times there's a correlation. They've gone through a lot of trauma and, and victimizing themselves, and they're just lashing out. That doesn't make it right, right? No. Um, but the idea is if I bring them to a place of benefit, so for example, think about, um, let's think about a bully at school that's constantly beating people up. If I truly have biblical justice in mind, I want that bully to experience benefit, such as love, hmm. such as discipline, such as thinking rightly, so love doesn't rejoice in, in unrighteousness, but in but in truth, right? So I would come alongside this bully. Best case, I'm not saying I am because I'm I'm a weak human, but but according to the scripture, and we see God doing this. Um, I'm going to come alongside that bully. I'm going to offer that bully love. I'm going to offer that bully safety and comfort. I'm also going to offer that bully discipline. It's part of those wind sprints that we always talk about. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to make him stronger and wiser. I want to see. I want him to see that bullying is wrong, and I want to transform him into a good person. One, just so that he can experience it. Two, so that he's not bullying anymore. Mm-hmm. So when you when you Pull, when you look at the offender and the victimizer and the wrongdoer and you, and you decide as a form of justice, I actually want them to experience benefit. Um, it's for their own benefit as a human, but also for the benefit of others so they're not, they're not causing more wrong. So, so this doesn't mean that I want to reward a salary of a million dollars to a murderer. Right? That's, yeah. that's, not, that's not what yeah. we're saying here. Um, also, it doesn't mean that jail is off the table because jail may be what that person needs but it should be a restorative jail mm-hmm. not not as much a punitive jail
1: yeah and it's interesting because this is really where a complex view of justice can be seen because we're not we're moving past just um this person did something wrong so we need to Uh, punish them and we need to do bad to them because they did bad it really is this restorative idea and i think it's interesting because i've been volunteering at the humane society and something that they tell us is with the animals the best way to actually get them to learn and do things that they're supposed to be doing is through positive reinforcement yep and we know that for animals with dogs we need to be showing positive reinforcement but then we come across and we're uh, talking about humans we're like, no, beat them. Mm-hmm. And it's like n- well, no. And so we do see inklings of how this can be true, but it's much harder to actually put into practice.
2: Yeah, and Shannon, I remember one of the first times, I think it was after a humility study that we were doing. It was totally unrelated. And you started to talk to me about this and we, we actually started to whiteboard this a little bit. I don't know if it was prior. I think it was prior to this one, but you were also going through some of the punishment aspects and some of the discipline aspects. And, and that's when we came to realize that the way that we as an Americans and most of the Western culture view justice is more of that punishment discipline side. And we're not going to go too far on that one. However, just for the listeners right now, they really need to understand that the justice side is the making right on both sides. Yes. yes. So that's where the righteousness, the right, the justice, the just, It has nothing to do with actually punishing anything. It's not, there's no retribution on it yet. There's no uh, payments, nothing else. This is literally just talking about doing what is right for all individuals involved. And that's what justice in biblical terms is.
0: Yep. So justice and punishment are not synonyms. They're not a one-to-one relationship. They're not the same thing. This doesn't mean that we're saying no punishment. What we're saying is punishment, depending on the tone, the reasons, the goal, etc., punishment may be helpful in pursuing justice. May be helpful. Right? and so it changes the, the, the game a bit on this so let me, let me read one of the other quotes so this is also from Logos justification is the biblical teaching about how believers are declared to be right before God even though they're not actually righteous in themselves and there's, there's different theological camps on that by the way um, given that the Greek language does not strictly differentiate righteousness and justice as in English the translation of the Greek words dikaiou and, and dikaiosis uh, into English creates an interpretive problem um in Greek usage the verb di- dikaiou, uh justice or de uh usually translated to justify in the new testament commonly has a judicial sense of to show justice or do justice though in other instances it can designate a forensic declaration along the lines of to acquit or to vindicate or to recognize or value is right so all they're saying there is it goes back to those two-part definitions that to pursue that, that justice can be a doing or making of things right or it can be that right relationship is kind of what they're going there um, and then continuing, so when we discussed this already, there is an overlap between justice and judgment. So here's where it may get incredible. <laughs> um, it seems that we live in a world that believes if a person acts justly, they will be judged innocent and they'll be punished as guilty if they don't whereas the bible seems to paint a picture that the right and just god has chosen in love and goodness to atone for the sins of the world so that he can judge man innocent as long as that man places his faith in him and acknowledges that that christ is lord Uh, or to continue it seems that one of the most right good and loving things that god does maybe the most right thing is to fully atone for our sins, paying that debt completely, so that we may be truthfully and incredibly judged blameless and freed from any punishment, thus demonstrating the value that he has for us, allowing us to be worthy to enter his eternal kingdom. We typically use justice to denote a punishment of sin, while the Bible seems to highlight justice as a deliverance from sin. So another way to say this is, one of the greatest forms of justice is mercy so for example if justice is a making of things right one of the things that's helpful for the wrongdoer for the offender for the sin for the sinner one of the ways to help make that sinner right is to show them mercy is to forgive them their sins let god atone for that um and again forgiveness doesn't mean there isn't any sort of discipline or anything like that that's all still part of it all But what we find is one of the greatest ways to make a sinner better is to forgive them. So this is as I sat there and I was chewing. I'm like, wait a minute, this this is crazy. And so this is why I said back at the beginning that we say, you know, people say, listen, God is both just and He's both merciful. So he is going to forgive you for the sin, He's also going to punish you for the sin. And yes, that's a contradiction, but it's one of the mysteries of God. We just need to accept the reality. We're not even try to, to, to unpack that. I hear you, you're wrong. And and I don't, mean, you know, know, to to judge or kind of condemn whatever is not the right way we should be thinking. Most of us have simply just always heard that. So we just regurgitate it. So what we find is there's actually no tension between justice and mercy. Mercy is actually one of the greatest forms of justice. Where the tension is, is between justice and patience. And, And I know we still have a lot to kind of work on that. The general idea there is that justice is a making of things Right and patience is a refraining from enforcing what is right so now that becomes the tension because by the way we we mentioned this before um if justice is making things right and we look how wrong everything is in life then one might think that god isn't just well no he is just but he's also patient so that's where the tension, that's where the, the kind of the combination comes in there. That overall, because he, cause was what patients would say is not necessarily in the moment, but in the big picture. So as God is just, God is always trying to create right, good, beneficial things. And he's always trying to make things right and beneficial. But he looks at this outside of time And so a lot of times in the action, he's very patient. And so in the moment, he's not actually trying to enforce what is right or due. He's actually allowing the sin and evil and wrong to occur. That doesn't mean that he's not just. It's just that he, because it's a complex view of justice and because he's outside of time. So from our perspective, it looks like he's not being just, but it's more complex and more eternal than that.
2: Right, absolutely, and that almost gets into uh, one of the studies that we're currently doing right now, and we're mul- we're we're noticing that multifaceted face of God, but also that mm-hmm. out of time, out of out of what we consider a now moment, a now moment for Him, we don't know what that is, so we can't say that He's not just only because He's not eradicating sin right now. That doesn't play into what his plan is
1: yeah and right there we really um you went quick through a lot of that and you touched a lot of different concepts because you talked there about judgment you talked about punishment you talked about mercy uh and the different components of mercy and forgiveness and all of those are different episodes that we're going to be recording coming up these are all parts of the elephant yeah and so this is what we were really saying when we were saying there's an elephant in this room we're not going to talk about all of it but really the picture that you just painted of how these different concepts relate to each other and how they relate back to really the cross and atonement and just all of the different aspects of the christian faith that's what we're getting at that this is so interrelated and it goes back to um your definition of good, how you see determinism, what is evil and sin, and all of these things are just so interconnected. And we can't unpack all of what you just went through here mm-hmm. right now. And we're not, we're not going to. But it's really, I, I hope that what um, Shannon was just talking about piques your interest. Because this really is something that all three of us are passionate about and we're interested in and just how these different concepts do relate together. It just paints a beautiful picture of what really the gospel is all about, what the cross was for, and it just really is um, this great demonstration of God's mercy and his justice and just all of these different concepts related together. So I'm just super excited to be even going through this aspect of it, mm-hmm. but then all the ones that I know are coming down the line. Yeah. Cause what's amazing is all
0: these different studies we're, is as we're doing each study, we're like, Oh, is that right? It seems a little different, but then we do another study and it confirms it and it all just kind of started coalescing together. And so it goes back to like that Psalm 103 that he's patient with us for, he remembers what we're made of that we're made of dust. And so, so God wants justice to occur. He wants right, good, beneficial things to occur, and we're dust creatures, and we don't always do that. So one of the good, right things that he can do to us is, is show us that mercy. So so overall, the the takeaway here that I hope for, for us and, and for you listeners is that when it comes to justice and punishment, we're actually learning those are two different things, that punishment is a separate secondary issue it's there we'll cover it next week but it's not justice it's not it's it's one potentially one part of justice justice really so so what that does is, is say listen justice is not punishment don't equate those two um, and so now you're not equating it. So now we can look at what actually is justice It's the doing and making of things, right? It's the doing and making of things beneficial so this goes back to like that social justice type idea and I realize that's a charged term and in, 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 in the political environment today, but that's what we found from this justice study. Is that what God really loves is creating us, us him and us humans doing and creating and making things that are beneficial to self and others and God etc um, so that allows us and it really is emphasized so I want us and the listener to stop referencing justice as some sort of warning that God's going to punish you for your sin that is not the intent of the meaning in the Bible yes that's true but it's a separate thing when the Bible talks about justice, it's like you guys should be going out, not using false weights, you know, in the marketplace. Um, It should be finding those in need and helping to meet those needs, rescuing those that are oppressed, uh, helping those that are afflicted and in need, and then also helping the offender. The offender may need some punishment as part of it all, but it's helping the offender become the right. We've said before too that anger will stop a wrongdoing in the moment, but love is what transforms the wrongdoer. And so the Bible would not emphasize being angry to stop sin or wrong. The Bible would emphasize to be loving to transform the wrongdoer.
1: And it's interesting because a lot of times uh, anger is used to bring the wrongdoer more detriment. Uh, Just the little chart that we were just talking about where we want to bring both the victim and the wrongdoer into actually the positive. And that's what love actually does. It creates a long or a lasting impact because it's bringing someone um, from the negative state that they're in to a more positive one. And that's really, I think, one of the ways how uh, love is just so much more effective than anger would be. So, so now we can move into the application.
0: This, this is really the final piece um, of what does what does this mean? How can we actually apply? Now that we're learning what this definition is, how can we apply it? Um, so so we'll go back to the two definitions. So the first definition is to have that right standing or right relationship with God. So what's the application? We've already said this, but it's to place your faith in him, to believe in Jesus as Lord. So John three sixteen, Romans 10 9, Acts I think 4 12, all these different verses. But um you need, you know, Jesus asked Peter, who do you say I am? Or who, who do people say I am? Jesus said, or Peter said, ah, some say Elijah, some say Isaiah, different, there's different theories. And Jesus says, well, Peter, who do you say I am? And he says, you're the Messiah. You're, you're the anointed one of God. Uh, he said, bless Peter you for knowing this, you know, et cetera. So that's the number one big question everybody must answer in life. Who do you say Jesus is? and if you believe that he is God in the flesh that he is the second person, the triune God all all that, you know, we'll get into all that stuff later but if you believe that Jesus is Lord that he is the divine master even if you're a horrible follower of his but you really do believe that he is the divine master Romans 10, 9 you now have that right relationship with him so you are now righteous even though you're not righteous as far as you now have that right relationship righteousness even though you're not thinking and behaving rightly righteousness now, having said that, now that you are a follower of him and you have that right relationship, um, now it gets into that, that sanctification and maturity um, that we've already discussed in the water walking and all these different phrases that we, that we do here in the podcast um, that walk in step with the Spirit and now begin to do that second type of righteousness. So achieve the first righteousness by recognizing that Jesus is Lord. Uh, and notice that it's achieve it. You either do or you don't. Right? And then begin to develop the second type of righteousness by walking in step with the Spirit. You know, what's one of the phrases I always say? Applying the details of the Bible to the details of your life, right? Oh, this actually goes back to the Know That God Study that we're doing as far as aligning with his core. We won't go into all that now. But aligning with God's character and attitude um, so that you can then align with God's behavior. Um, and and showing that justice and trying to help the, the uh, foreigner and alien in land and trying to help the offender as well. So so in Romans, right? Do good to those who persecute you, um, and and respond in love and goodness, not with evil, right? Not with detriment. Uh, it's all there, right? So, so now getting, now now you're seeing it. You can't you can't kind of unsee it. Um, and so that's that's the application there is, is you want to begin to align with God's character through scripture and prayer and community And then you can begin to act accordingly. That would be my short little thing application. What would you guys say to that?
2: Oh, yeah, I mean as far as application, of course the first one you you nailed it on the head I mean, you can't miss that and then uh, you know secondly um, the one piece that I, I kind of like to look at is identify what you're doing to yourself and others start to align those types of things with am i being loving am i being good am i being kind all the fruits of the spirit because if you are then you're most likely going to treat people justly and you're going to treat people right Mm -hmm. therefore they will receive justice so when you look outside into the world and again even internally don't beat yourself up so much kid you know look at Am am I at least trying to look at myself through the eyes of goodness, through the eyes of I am a righteous child of God, those types of things, instead of always beating yourself up about, oh, I forgot to read my Bible or Mm -hmm, something. mm -hmm. So I think the application there, looking at the justice of the always building from the negative to the positive, will really go a long way if you stop and think about how you're treating people. And then you'll probably be treating them much more justly. Yep.
1: Yeah, because first and foremost, um, it is just so important before we can really even consider any of this to have that right relationship with Christ mm-hmm. um, and just recognize that it is so much better to um, be humbly submitted to him and uh, trying to follow the different beneficial things that he wants us to do to others and uh, just all of the wonderful things that come from it. Just um, that has to be first, because if we don't have that first, then we're not going to ever be able to do any of the things really that we talk about in these podcasts. Um, but then also, I think um, what you alluded to there, it's so important that we do actually have our hearts in the right place before we try and do this. Because justice, I, I think in our culture, there's it's one of those hot button, like everyone wants justice and uh, social justice and just all these different things. But if we start pursuing justice before we start pursuing the other fruits of the spirit, Mm -hmm. it's not going to be the fullest version of what it could actually be. It's so important that we actually do this primarily out of a motivation of love for, and once we're doing this out of a motivation of love, it's so much easier to see why we need to do it to the oppressor and to the victim. Right. And so once we actually have the right internal character and we're not just pursuing justice because that's the thing right now, we're doing it because we actually love the people around us and we want them to experience experience beneficial things and we want ourselves to experience beneficial things and we want to contribute towards that, then this is just such a natural outpouring of love that it can actually happen. And I think that that's one of the biggest takeaways for me that... I can't start off pursuing this. It is something that I should be pursuing, and I Mm -hmm. should be moving towards being just, full, being righteous, whatever, however you want to word it. Um, I should pursue that, but I can't do that until I'm actually loving the people around me. Right.
0: This is why those 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 concepts are you know all related. So what's what's fascinating to me is you know like you said we want we we want to see justice done justice served and God also wants to see justice done but we mean two different things Mm. (laughs) right and so we need to align with God's view of justice which is that creating benefit for anybody and everybody and that looks different in different ways Mm -hmm. Um, but so if you want justice to be done go create benefit Mm. go serve and help others now I don't I so going with application I don't want to get into politics Um, I think if you've listened for a long time, you know that I'm a moderate not a conservative nor liberal Um, I don't want to get in any sort of debate with that All I want to say is from this study if you want justice to be done go create benefit Mm. whether it's for those that are in need in poverty uh, or immigration Or even the the those in jail that have created have done wrong just because they've done wrong doesn't mean they've lost the right to have benefit Um, it just please rethink that Mm -hmm. there's there's a lot going on there and and we want to create more benefit for whoever Um, and you know there's all kinds of stuff we're not gonna get into into this study of what that actually looks like in action that you, you know, you don't just give a man a fish, you teach him how to fish. You actually give him a fish in the moment, but then you also teach him how to fish. Um, and he who doesn't work shall not eat. And so you need to discipline the lazy, right? There's all those things there. But that's actually creating benefit. Um, so, th- but just, if you go with that definition, you can then apply it in, in a bunch of different ways. One, uh, uh, two other little notes. One is, so, and we didn't discuss this in, in the outline, but, um, so the term self-righteous. Or someone feels they're more self-righteous or holier than now. Now that we've gone through all of these definitions, it changes the tone a little bit of what's going on there. So if one is being self-righteous, what we, what we mean is they think that they're behaving more rightly than somebody else. And what they're doing is they're thinking of some of the right they've done, and therefore, I'm doing right, I'm good. Where others are actually looking at the wrong they've done, or the right they haven't done, so this is where it gets back to the kind of the complex view. So, so consider yourself righteous in the have standing if you have your faith in the Lord, if you've submitted to your creator. Um, and then realize that, because so that, that's all or nothing. You either have it or you don't. But the be do is a degree thing. Um, and so you may be doing a little bit of righteous, just, Good beneficial things. There's a whole lot more you could be doing, right? And so don't settle <laughs> just for that little bit that you're doing. <laughs> also, be careful when you're looking at others, and this is take the plank out of your own eye before the speck of sawdust out of your others. Um, so when I, I see someone, you know, do you look how unjust they are? Look how unrighteous they are. True, but one, so are you, and so am I. And two, they're doing good. You just didn't see it, right? Because you don't know them well enough. Um, they're doing some sort of benefit somewhere, right? So anyway, so just I wanted to make a note on that the other thing is we mentioned the Romans 5 so this goes back to we can't quite equate righteous with good they're not quite a one to one definition or they're related but this is helpful to understand the Romans 5 so the Romans 5 passage is where um, Paul says you know rarely for um, rarely will rarely will one die for a righteous or just person and what was fascinating was if you look at your different translations sometimes he says rarely will someone die for a righteous man or rarely will someone die for a just man that shows you why they're interchangeable um, and then he says though someone might, might dare to die for a good man i never understood that verse because i always assumed righteous and just was like perfect and good was like okay so i'm like why would you die for an okay person but not a perfect person well now that we've gone through all this study he's using accounting terms there so in that context specifically when he says righteous and just he's actually referring to kind of a zero well he's talking about the right relationship but the, the, the zero status you have no negative in your ledger. And then by good, he actually means you've done the benefit. So there in that passage, he's actually separating just from beneficial a little bit. Um, but the idea there, the analogy that I, I use is imagine there's a village and you've got somebody who's very beneficial to the village. So they donate a lot of money, they serve, they, they feed people, it's, they teach people, etc. Then you've got somebody who's kind of neutral. They're doing neither good nor bad to the village. And then you've got a bully who's like causing problems in the village, okay? What Paul's saying is rarely will somebody die for that neutral person that does neither good nor bad, though maybe sometimes we might die for that good beneficial person. Um, But no one's ever going to die for the bully. What blew Paul away was that God died for all the bullies of the world, which is 100% of humanity. Right? We're all the bullies in that thing. We've all created tons of detriment. And so Paul's like, you know, so us, you, maybe once in a while you die for the neutral guy, maybe a little bit more for the good guy, never for the bad guy. We were all bad guys. We were all enemies of God. And Christ died for all of us. And he was just so blown away by God's love on that. And so the idea is... If you get that right relationship with God, you now have that zero status. You now have no negative in your ledger. So one of the things that we believe as Christians is, as a Christian, I'm not saying it doesn't matter the bad that you do, okay? Obviously, we want to be pursuing right, not bad. We want to be countering our sins and all that. But, whatever sin you do whatever debt is created from that whatever negative is in your ledger it's actually erased by God in that have righteousness in that right standing that right relationship with him it's one of the benefits so every Christian enters heaven automatically defaults with a zero in their ledger so in that sense it doesn't matter whether you've done a lot of bad or a little bad it's both of them come in with zero in their ledger. So this is why you see the language like, um, it's the one who's forgiven much that appreciates it more and see the church in Rome was like, wait a minute. So whether you've done a whole lot of bad or a little bad, either way you enter the same with a zero ledger. Yeah. So really it doesn't matter. We can do a whole bunch of bad cause it all gets erased. And Paul's like, well, yeah, technically but no. <laughs> like like don't just sin so that you can have grace abound more. Like yes, yes, you're right in figuring this out that that all of the negatives erased, you're wrong in, in assuming then the implication is you could just send a whole bunch. Um but the point but the point still remains whether you've done a little bad or a lot of bad, it's all erased and you come in with a zero ledger. And then all the good that you – this goes back to the point you made as far as like the blank pages and then the written pages. Yeah. Um, all the good that you do. This is why I encourage and know thyself and all the other rekindling studies that we do. I'm encouraging people to, to get out in the water and up in the wind, wind walking, um, so that they can create more benefit, because then you get positive in your ledger. And whether you have positive or not, you're still. In, I mean, you will have to have at least one positive, right? At least one fruit. <laughs> yeah. um, but believing in Jesus, Lord, is that one positive? Um, but you never want to enter just skin, you know in by smelling like smoke. So that's 1 Corinthians three. Some build with wood, hay, and straw, and that's chaff that burns up in the fire doesn't count. Others build with gold, silver, and costly stones, and that survives that fire judgment. So they have those that positive in their ledger, and then they get more reward. This is Matthew twenty four parable of the talents well done good and faithful servant i put you in charge of a few things not going to be in charge of you. there's a whole bunch with all that stuff uh, but anyways so so that was just, that was the other thing that i, that I, I wanted to make a, a comment on so really that's everything i think we've covered most everything yeah would you guys add anything else that you feel we've missed
2: i i, I think we really nailed it i mean after the fact that you know we kind of really mapped this out um I think we've really harnessed on the fact that having the just part of life and recognizing that justice is not something that is to be served with an iron fist. It is actually something to be given to people on a silver platter, more or less, mm-hmm. n- whether or not they're good or bad, is just an amazing point that we we really should focus on in our lives. Yep. So, last question for both you and me:
0: What's your takeaway? I think you just kind of touched on it, but but what was your takeaway from the study? What was your takeaway from the discussion tonight? Um, now, understanding what righteousness and justice is, especially that second part of the definition, the 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 being and doing and making things beneficial. Um, what's your personal takeaway?
2: Oh, absolutely! From from the get go, when we when I was able to tear out that justice. And what you guys are going to get into with punishment are two very, very different things. And then there's actually a third, which is called discipline. And that's even a different thing. That blew my mind. And I, I encourage everybody listening, please listen to those podcasts. I've done some of the studies on those, and it's awesome. And how has that affected you just in your daily living? So, because now I, I can I can say, okay, right living or just living that actually means that I'm trying to build people up. It also means that uh, to to see, to read the Bible and read, oh, justice, oh, righteousness, to understand that it wasn't about this iron-fisted type of living, that it was actually a loving God who was trying to push us forward, not tear us down. That changed a lot of my viewpoints and helped me understand even the loving aspect of God, which then in turn helps me understand how i'm supposed to be mm-hmm. so that that really was the big one yeah we you, Zach?
1: yeah i think the transition from uh just recognizing that this isn't that justice isn't punishment um and that it really needs to be motivated out of love just really uh has impacted me and what we're going to get into with um what this what the atonement means and all of the different aspects that this touches um, it really helped christianity for me just come together in a way that really makes sense Mm. Um, and obviously we can't get into all of that now but specifically for this study i think one of the ways that it's um, impacted me is that it's helped me realize that i need to move away from a simple view of justice and the obligation mindset that comes from that. Because when I think that if I don't do the things that I'm supposed to do, then I'm going to get punished. Then I feel obligated to do the things because I don't want mm-hmm. bad stuff to happen to me. And so I'll read my Bible and pray and all of the different things. because. But I'm doing it not because I want to actually like grow my relationship with God. I'm doing it because I don't want bad things to happen to me. But once I actually start moving away from that, it really just opens the door for me to be a whole lot more genuine mm. in the things that I do. Yeah. Um, and also a lot more patient with the people around me uh, when I see people that maybe aren't doing the things that I think they're supposed to be doing and that sort of thing. just um, And I guess those two things aren't necessarily related, but um, just it helps me be able to be a little bit more realistic with myself mm-hmm. and also with others.
0: Yeah, I think the the biggest takeaway for me um, was just that one of the most just things that God could do to sinful humanity was to show them mercy and forgive them. And so, application was that I need to be showing more mercy to the wrongdoers. So, personally, when it comes to non-believers. Or those that are much more like kind of just liberal or kind of crazy or whatever um i found myself showing them a lot more mercy and patience and that's actually a form of justice there's a timing and all that kind of thing what i'm not as good at is on the far other end of the spectrum that my christian friends who are much more like hyper traditional or hyper conservative i haven't quite gotten good at applying this to them and so that's where i'm at now it's like you can't be inconsistent um you need to be showing them just as much mercy and patience you know as as you are the 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 lost um and so that's that's where i'm at uh trying to you know to kind of to kind of apply it so all right so that's it we're gonna we're gonna finish with that ian thank you for recording with us i know you've got a crazy schedule and a bunch of challenges in your life right now so i really do appreciate taking uh, several hours here to kind of get this done um, and so we're going to sign off as always uh, we would love to hear from you so you can make comments on the uh, Podbean app or you can email us at info at rekindlingministries.com um, you can go to the website rekindlingministries.org and, and check it out there um, and we'd love to kind of get feedback from you if you've got more questions with all that stuff and so we're going to sign off and, and the next episode is the uh, judgment and the punishment uh and that's a kind of that changed my theology a little bit uh when,
2: when i did that one
0: so we'll see you guys for that next episode thanks very much